welcome to episode 138 of the local meta. My name is Fletcher. And I'm John. John, how are you doing, man? Eh, not too bad. Just, my eye was itching, so I had to like move my mic out of the way, and then I had to move back, so I'm like, shit, Fletcher's talking. <laughs> cool story, bro. <laughs> my allergies have been terrible since Thursday, and I don't know why. I don't know what's currently in flowering or whatever right now, but man, it is destroying me. Really? Like, I need, probably need to, I, so I have Kleenex on my desk, in my room, and in my car, and I currently have none in my room and a single Kleenex left on my desk, so I probably need to go buy more stock tomorrow, so. <laughs> Jeez. Or like, you know, figure out something you can take for those, I guess, but. I take it every morning without fail. What, Benadryl? Uh, no, Benadryl knocks me out. I have to take a 24-hour non-drowsy one. Okay. Uh, so, am I the only human being in the world who does not get drowsy from Benadryl? Probably. Like, it's really... So, like, so here's the deal. I take Sudafed, and I am, like, stoned out of my brain. <laughs> like, I am literally unconscious and stuff like that. Benadryl, totally fine. No issues. Yeah, like no issues. Like I remember. So like for some reason, um, so when I was working at McDonald's, and I did my uh, manager certification, after I finished it, I had like finishing managing out my shift then, mm-hmm. and for some reason, I broke out in hives. <laughs> and possible, so like po- possible stress hives, maybe. I think so, but I was not like stressed about it because I'm like I feel I like from what I recall, I was like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, like. You're yeah. basically a lock, so I kind of thought so, but drink a beer. Um, okay, but like, so I ran over and grabbed some Benadryl from the store and took it, and it was like totally fine. Everybody's like, "Dude, you're gonna like be like passing on stuff." I'm like, "Oh, we'll see." Nothing, nothing. Yep. But like, I get a cold and take take a Sudafed, and I am just like, like unintelligible, just a puddle of a human being. Yeah, for me, it's. Benadryl is literally more effective for me than a sleeping pill. <laughs> like, I can take a sleeping pill and basically function fine. Like, after, like, the initial wave hits me from a sleeping pill, if I don't fall asleep in that initial wave, I am perfectly fine. I can oh, stay like, up. Like the, like the sleep aids? Yeah, like the a sleep that, like, aid. Like, make you drowsy, like NyQuil yeah. kind of stuff. But with yeah, like, like that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like that stuff, okay. like the the sleep aid. If I don't fall asleep really, really quickly from it, it will completely unaffect me. Yeah, I, Bene- I'm the same way. Benadryl will knock me out for three hours. It's just it's just like that's it. Huh? Yeah, it's yeah, weird. I, it, I mean, this is when I was younger. I think I was okay. like 18 at the time. The first time I actually took Benadryl, but man, I was it, I I took it. And I was like donk. I'm like man, I must have been really tired. And like the next day, I took some, and it's same thing. I'm like, oh, it's the Benadryl causing uh, that. Okay. I'm it's, not just tired. <laughs> it's funny because drugs affect me really strongly. Mm-hmm. Like when I so when I when I got my wisdom teeth out, um, I they give you like a bottle of I can't remember what it is. It's like some o- some like oxy or the it's equivalent yeah, something. like that. It's like some heavy heavy duty pain pain pill or something like that, or yeah. like like pretty heavier than normal. I took a pill and a half of it. Um. Because I would take half pills because um, it's too strong for me. Mm-hmm. And the first time I took it, I took a half. I, I think I took a half a pill and I ended up throwing up. 
but like i take one and i was just like gone like it would just wreck me and like my wife when she had her hers out she kind of like this is gonna sound worse than it, but she kind of ate him like candy she's like it was the best weight loss program she ever had because, <laughs> um, uh, because basically she's like yeah i got done with it i was so she's like it's so so like painful to like eat and open your mouth that we bought us like a six a six inch sub sub from subway mm-hmm. and um uh, she got home took one of the pills fell asleep woke up ate some of the sandwich was so tired from that she fell asleep again <laughs> woke up took a pain pill fell asleep <laughs> like literally a six inch sub lasted her like like two days solid like <laughs> uh it's it's kind of funny that pills affect you a lot because you're mm-hmm. the one who got me on the whole take both tylenol and ibuprofen at the same time oh yeah and, like you're the one who got me on that and two and three I, man <laughs> yeah i'd only do two and two i don't do two and three but yeah i um, i've gotten i actually ran out of um tylenol lately because mm-hmm. i I tend to stock up more on ibuprofen because people um, always want to borrow ibuprofen. They never want to borrow Tylenol for some weird reason. See, I have the exact opposite problem. Really? Yeah, that's weird. Okay. Yeah, so I usually... And also when the the plague stuff started, everyone's like, just, you know, preemptively stock up on cold medicine. So I bought, you know, um, Dayquil, which has acetaminophen in it, and then I bought ibuprofen so I can combine them. Yeah, that's another thing I do when I have a cold. Yeah. It's like and so I'm like now working through my surplus stock of ibuprofen. Oh, there you go. And I don't have acetaminophen, but I've noticed that it does like I've always been like, maybe I don't need to take both. So now I'm just I'm only taking the ibuprofen. I'm like, this definitely is not as effective as taking yeah. both. <laughs> I've been like basically I've been eating a leave like candy. <laughs> with, with the go live at work happening and stuff because yeah. i've been you know I'm, as i said as i always tell people sure as hell didn't go into it so i can lift things um <laughs> and like moving all this all the new equipment around and like getting everything to place and stuff like that and running back and forth with my bad feet i'm just like like i got home one day like it was like wednesday or thursday i just like sat on the couch for the rest of the night like like laid down on the couch i'm like i can like it hurt to walk anymore and stuff i was just dead and i was like Oh, yeah, I was having like just eating a leaf like crazy. It's like my new snack food. Yeah, that's actually why I, you know, I, you know, I had a cover for someone's vacation yeah. this this week. Yeah. So I was working ten and a half hour days every day but Friday. I, and... say, I hope they're in the same room as you, and you can be like, I had to cover for someone's vacation, but <laughs> they're not. They're uh, somewhere else in the house right now. Oh, good. <laughs> but you know, so I'm working ten and a half hour days, so. By the time Thursday came around, I was already in overtime at two o'clock. Oh yeah. And I always forget how much more painful it is to drive like on my feet than it is to work in the office and warehouse. Yeah. Like just as an example, I had to buy new boots every year because the soles, the rubber soles, would get completely worn away as a driver. Oh yeah. That that renewal of boots happened usually in around January. Since I've been primarily an office person, I haven't had to re. I did not buy new boots in January. So, like, that's how much more just walking up and down, like, the truck mm-hmm. ramp and all that stuff just destroys my feet. So, my feet have been yeah. killing me. So, like, starting Wednesday, I came home. It's like, it's ibuprofen time. 
We're just like, we're gonna do this. Yeah. But... So I've been taking a lot more ibuprofen because of that, so. Alright, but so enough about us being old men. <laughs> <laughs> old men in our ibuprofen. Yeah, we're like, ah. Alright. I'm sure we have something to say about kids these days, but no. I think you you had something to 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 say, I think. But Yeah, so this actually ties into the whole I had to drive a lot this week because okay. um as a result of that I needed to I needed to get more podcasts because I, I can't listen to music when I drive. It makes me sleepy. I listen mm-hmm. to podcasts because the actual people talking keeps my mind occupied, right? Yep. I, something... I'm right there with you, man. Yeah, this is something that I learned when I first started driving. And it's like, it was like night and day. Suddenly, I don't need to drink, you know, three bottles of Mountain Dew every day, which is really I'm sure nice. it's great for you. <laughs> man, I have also reignited my caffeine addiction lately. Boy, howdy. That stuff is. I love caffeine. Hell of a drug. All right. <laughs> But, um, so I started listening to Fear of the Boots. I realized I haven't listened to Fear of the Boots since March. And I don't I've, know why. probably that long for me or longer. Yeah, I don't know why I stopped listening to them. But it's like, oh, I'm just going to start listening to them again. Because I really like Fear of the Boot. And I've been really wanting to game lately. And this is me a bad too. idea. Because uh, now I want to game even more. Uh, <laughs> Nothing makes me want to game more than when I listen to Fear of the Boot. Right. So, uh, there was an interesting comment that was made by Dan, the primary host of Fear the Boot. Yep. And because they, they did an entire they were doing an entire episode, I haven't finished it yet, about mm-hmm. um running a horror game. Oh, okay. And how it's really freaking hard. Yes, it is. I have ran one game with any amount of tension in the atmosphere. Yeah. And it's it's really, really hard to get to do that because you can't force someone to feel fear. Mm-hmm. About a game, mm-hmm. like like in about a, in, in an RPG rather, because there yep. just isn't the immersion. Like you yep. can have horror based video games, you can have horror movies. You mm-hmm. need immersion to actually trigger the fear response in a human, or you need to be psychologically traumatizing them in real life. <laughs> you know, like as Dan actually made the reference of, you know, we can sit down at a table and I can ask you what you're going to do and pull out a gun so you have three seconds. You're going to be scared, but you're not going to be scared for the right reasons. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, but one of the comments that he made about this is, you know, like, here's the thing about, like, every single type of game you can imagine. Whether it's, like, romance games, comedy games, serious games. If you talk about a genre of game, someone at this table can run that game, and they can run it really, really well. Yep. And that leads to my question. Mm-hmm. Is there any genre of game in RPGs that you personally think you run really, really well? Like, your specialty, as it were. I tend to run a lot of different games, so that's, like, really hard. Um, that's the thing that was really weird to me. Like, when he's, like, I'm, like, I'm, all, you know, me and you are also very similar in the fact that we don't think we necessarily run games well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like, I mean that's true. We have like serious imposter syndrome with yeah. So with like the, the thought of ever thinking, yeah, I could totally run this game really, really well, just normally mm-hmm. never occurs to me. But it made me think about asking you that question. Hmm. What do you have an answer for it? I like. I'm I'm curious about that question too. I think I do. 
Okay, I'm curious about your answer while I think about mine, because you've had more time to think about this than me. Yeah, I've been thinking about it since, like, 1 o'clock today, so. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know how to word it very well, mm-hmm. but I think I'm very, very good at making real-life things show in a game. I was going to call your type of game Slice of Life. Yeah, like, like I'm. I feel like the game that 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 like kid the the like teenager gang game was the one that really showed it for me. I think with you, yeah, where you just took it and it's like, like it, a lot of it was just us living. Yeah, and that that's ex- that is the literal game I was thinking of when I thought about this. I'm very good at just showing people existing mm-hmm. and like how they go about that kind of thing which is this is that's not a typical kind of game for anyone to run or play in that's not normally why people game but i think i'm very good at running those games yeah i think i'm mm-hmm. also good at making people just not feel good about themselves when i do those things which uh. might be me you know imprinting my perception of reality in those what games you, what do you mean by that I tend to, there are certain things I feel when I run games that aren't, I don't put them in the game to make someone feel good. I put them in the game to make them feel something. I mean, I do that a lot of times too, because I feel like disconnected, like it's easy to disconnect yourself from stuff with an RPG. Yes. And so that's why the emotional moment, and the thing is, is like, like it's so easy to disconnect yourself. But when you get one of those moments, it is so powerful in an RPG. I yeah. Think. And like, because it's so out of the norm, like, you know, I can think of some of the moments in games that were where you've gotten that huge emotional investment in something, and like, those are like the moment. Like, I can pick out every single one of them. I like in in games I've ever played. You know, and like, I I don't know. I I just think creating those like that's the goal that's what you want to do you know is yeah. create those moments yeah for me it's not about like i don't run games to make someone feel empowered i run games to make someone feel yeah i think we're kind of both like that hmm. so yeah i mean i i agree with that like I, i've done that in a number of games to try to like make people stop and think or makes people stop and feel and things like that you know, and like some of the like, as I said, those are always the best moments. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like the ga- like the games that I have ran that have been like the best games. Um, like I'm thinking about my favorite games. I run games. I think the best kind of game for me to run is, and this is gonna this is a giant cop out. Um, I'm very good at running the game the players want. And what uh, I mean what I mean by that is I feel like I am pretty I, I am good at when I and, and I think maybe this is why I work on some certain things myself, but when I'm able to set up a game, get the players invested in that game, and I just step away. Like <laughs> Like I know that's like really cheating and everything, but like every game that I've ran that's that's been a like my best games that I've ran are the ones where I just kind of let the players lead. I was uh, as when you started uh, referencing this, I was based. I'm pretty sure we were thinking the same thing, which was the Iron Claw game. The Iron Claw game. That's probably 
that is I consider that the best game I have ever run. Mm-hmm. And I set up I did set up a lot of behind the scenes stuff, but a lot of it was me just going, Alright guys, just go for it. Yeah, that's you know? kinda of- that's but, kind but of the what thing I was is, thinking. Yeah, I, and I, I, I think I need to clarify that too. I am not good at running sandbox games. No. Every game, every game, one of those games I have ran has had definite direction. Like it has a story, it has a flow. Like there, there's, a, there's a place I'm trying to make it go. But I feel like I feel like the best, like like the style I want to do and the the style I'm good at is it doesn't matter the 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 setting or the genre or anything. It's the games where I can give the players the freedom to do what they to, to do what they want and drive things forward. Yeah, that was kind of that was basically the thing in the Iron Claw game where mm-hmm. you were in charge, but almost everything you did was stuff that either happened in the like the decisions were made in the background. Yeah. And how they came how we basically got to them was basically all of the players doing. At, you know, like, at the time, that was the that game at the time was the game I had written the most notes for of any game I had ever ran, mm-hmm. which but it probably doesn't show considering it was probably it was an incredibly short game, and I didn't do much. <laughs> well, the thing like it was a it was a short game. You didn't do much in sessions. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the in session stuff was completely player driven. Yep. You know, all of the a and lot of play. like yeah, a lot of the big decisions that were made by care by. And things that happened were made by players, and you playing NPCs interacting with those players. Like, mm-hmm. um, basically, every character death came around, came about as a result of a player. Yeah, like every PC character death. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, like there, every there PC contrived end, ones. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's some there's some contrived ones, but like yeah. a lot of the big moments that happened, you know, like the. The fact that there's literally only two survivors of the entire campaign yeah. came as a result of every PC either killing themselves or res- or causing the death of someone else. Yeah, and like all completely within character and completely within reason, without ruining somebody else's experience. Oh yeah, th- this wasn't you know random barbarian douche nozzle running around yeah. deciding I'm going to behead the gnomes. Yeah, because la 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 la. This was like not murder hobos and stuff like that. As I said, there were literally two combats in the entire game. Yeah, and we weren't that good at combat. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure the first combat literally, like, I, th- I can't remember if it was whose character it was. I think it was Dan's character. It literally sliced a dude in half. He was the only one that was good at combat. Go figure. Um, but <laughs> like, like, yeah, the, the first the first co- the first combat was only me and Dan being ambushed by a bunch of rat. Yeah, and that was just like a set piece, honestly. Yeah. It was just like it's just like we're do- this is just coming out here and everything. I think some of it in my head was too was like I probably need to run a combat before we do anything like near the end because yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, that was a weird game, like just in general, like how it was structured. But it was like yeah, being able to just like set it up and step away. Like I feel like those are just the ones. Like and um. Uh, I enjoyed it. I thought everybody else didn't enjoy it, and then they told me they enjoyed it, and I was mad. Um, after we'd quit it, uh, was the the Legion game? Yeah, um, I remember uh, you. That that one always. I got a sore on spot there. for you. Yeah, but I enjoyed that game. Um, and I feel like a lot of that one, like there was a lot of direction in it for the players, but I feel like a lot of that and a lot of the decisions made 
and a lot of the cha- the changes I made to my original plan were all based on the players too. And I felt like I ran that game pretty good, like in my opinion. Um, but like I don't know, that was a very player driven game too. Like, and I think that's like my goal is to like give power to players and let them kind of move things forward. Like even the really fun parts of um, that Pathfinder game we were playing, like like a lot of the stuff that happened was just shit you guys initiated which pathfire game is this uh the one uh it, it was the uh, uh i i'm trying to remember i don't remember what i called it i know what i called it in the background it was based on might and magic uh but like it's the one with the um uh, the, the dwarven belt buckle but um, oh yeah that thing. Played. yeah like oh, yeah, I, I, enjoy, I, I enjoyed that game but i always forget that was ran in pathfinder yeah, that's another just, one where it's like, oh yeah, there was there's a rule system behind this. Well, my my I I think of it as three point five because yeah, it's just better three point five. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was just, but it was Pathfinder and stuff like yeah. that. And like most of that game, a lot of the stuff was completely player initiated. Um, and I actually like I I would love to pick that game back up or pick up a game in that world because like I have a ton of threads that you guys created that would would have been just great, like super interesting threads, but um in my opinion but like a good a, a solid like 50 to 70 percent of that game is was player driven so and player created you actually reminded me of something do you want yeah. to know my one complaint i had about your legion game that i never actually voiced and i don't think i've oh, ever told you i would love to know okay this this is less of a jab at you and more a jab at the weird mentality of our gaming group at the time. Okay, I'm fine with any criticism. I'm I'm actually legitimately curious because I don't get a lot of negative feedback except from myself. <laughs> Boy, howdy. We're really good at giving negative feedback to ourselves. Well, the thing is this too is like when we discuss stuff, we're always like it's like I'll be like, "Yeah, I feel like I did this wrong when I was running this game." And you're like, "Yeah." Mm. You know, and it's like, "Okay." But like, "Okay, tell me, sorry." So I don't know what it was, but for some reason there was a period of time in our gaming group mm-hmm. where every single ca- game we ran had some character that was under some form of possession. Oh, yeah, I think there was. So you had, in the Legion game, you had Tucker's character, which I don't think he was possessed, but he was like making of, a deal with a demon. None of the characters were possessed. They just basically were making... it. Basically, the way as it was is um, after you'd open that one bunker with the with the the demon that was there mm-hmm. um you you would get offers for power and you could accept or turn it down all right um everybody except christina's character did because her character was actually uh uh angelic lineage was i offered uh i don't think my character ever got offered power were you i thought i did okay you most of the time most characters i did i know i offered it to dan i know i offered it to tucker who else was playing that game Maybe you just didn't get to my character. Maybe I didn't because I was ended, working so. down. I, and maybe I didn't get to you because Tucker was just like, "Hell yeah, let's yeah, do this." Yeah, he was all about that. The blood of my enemies. <laughs> so, so like you had Tucker who was yeah. like pseudo demon possessed, and then we had mm-hmm. the Shadowrun game where we had that weird thing that resulted in Holly's character setting off freaking flashbangs in the 747 i was flying nobody was possessed that was just her being stupid it was her being stupid but supposedly what was it christine's character had something that was whispering to her and that's why holly's character set off the flashbangs 
Christina's character had some sort of item. She wasn't possessed. Oh, she had an item. Yeah, she had a, she, I think she had one of the items that was whispering to her, yeah. Yeah, so like it wasn't actual possession, but it led to a character doing something stupid. And then we had the... Um... And the Legion game was a lot about that, I'll say. So, yeah. Yeah. And then there was the one... Uh, I think it was Jerry's character had like that weird spider thing in that game Tucker was running. The, that was horror-touched. So he basically became possessed because of that goddamn spider. I don't remember that one, but but it was a Earth Dawn. Uh, Tucker was running it in. I think he was using the Earth Dawn mechanics, but he was playing. But we were playing that um, that one video game re- adaption of his. Oh, Quest for Glory. Quest for Glory. I'm pretty sure there was a spider thing that we were running. Yeah, we were running that in the Earth Dawn setting because I oh, was playing okay. in, my... the, in in the monastery. In the monastery, yeah. Yep. Okay, yeah, because because in the actual game, it just kills you. Yeah. <laughs> so, of course. Okay. Yes. Yeah. 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 So so there was just like this little series of like constant. There's a character being influenced by an outside source and is turning them into a dumbass, <laughs> and it just got really frustrating after a while. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Because it's like it's like why is why is everyone incapable of saying no to power? I don't I don't get it. You've so, met people, haven't you? I'm yes. <laughs> and social. The, there might be some social commentary going on. Yeah, there's um. Uh, that that's actually one of Tucker's big things is that he really liked that too. He he liked taking characters down that path intentionally. Yeah, like accepting that pure power and everything. What does that say about your brother? Uh, I don't. Uh, he, the funny thing is, he's a very principled person. He is. That's why it's um, interesting to me. And I think that's why he's doing it, though, is, is is to explore that thing. Like, it's like you know, I'm like I'm kind of a, a dickhead, but I'm not jazzed, you know. Yeah. Like, but that ex- the like looking at that actually looking at that character and writing that character made me understand a lot of things about awful people, and it was incredibly enlightening, actually. Um, and it, it, it's funny because it actually made me like be very conscious where it's like, are you approaching this? Like, are you approaching this sort of like direction or something like that? And understanding why people do th- like do certain things. It was, it was very, very interesting. So you want, you want some really interesting social commentary. All right. You, I wouldn't say you enjoy, but you play characters like jazz to experience the darker side of humanity and stuff like that right yeah that's that's about the peak of where i could go i think too because he was by far the darker side of humanity yeah and so then you have tucker who enjoys playing the what are you willing to do for power style of characters yep right Mm -hmm. so like you both real you both enjoy exploring characters that are outside of your normal personality yeah what does that say about me really enjoying playing characters that are actually honorable <laughs> the funny thing is like that is exactly in your personality <laughs> i know <laughs> but it's like people do but it's like for different reasons though, yeah. too. like that's a comfort zone to some degree like yeah. you know but it's like that's i feel like that's a big theme for you as well like just in general yeah so, I, just, yeah. I just thought it was funny everyone enjoys playing characters that they're not i enjoy playing someone who's honorable. i don't think that's correct because it's like i mean we me like some of us do like Oh yeah, I like, yeah. I like pushing pushing that because it's it's like, um, I mean even like Anzi is a character that is far removed from me. Oh yeah, like just just as the you know if you look at how the character is and stuff, being incredibly 
principled and you know willing to risk themselves for anything and uh, like an absolute true believer in causes and stuff like that like that's not me like like you know if if jazz is the one end of things like the horrible complete like the horrible completely dark end of where you can end up as things i feel like anzi is almost the idealized version of what i see things if that makes sense yeah but they they are they're very much different uh, like they're on opposite ends of the spectrum which yes is and it's funny because those are the two characters that if i ever like i i reuse the, those character concepts all the time like literally have both the characters in my fallout games in my skyrim games in my any game you name basically i have both of them uh yeah, it, it's funny how mutable that the concepts are, if that makes sense. But yeah, just as like an aside, I I believe that I am personally self-aware enough to know that I am not a bad person. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> it's like I wasn't implying that I was when I no, said that I, I enjoy it's, it's playing people. Yeah. But it was just really interesting to me, and like the int- the fact that it's very very opposite styles of what people enjoy. Mm-hmm. You know, like for me, it's it's not about exploring like an aspect of what I could be. It's like I do take something that I am and I just kind of just dial it up a lot. Yeah, I think that's good. I like, you know, I I feel like there's a good way to find understanding in things by taking something understood and magnifying it greatly. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's, you know, kind of like how I almost approach some of these things. It's like, you know you take a seed of something and just like put it under a magnifying glass, you know, and like RPGs are RPGs and video games are like two super good ways to do that. Yeah. I mean, that's, I've, I've said multiple times, you know, like the, the two things that are really, really good for me learning who I am as a person were a, the magic, uh, color pie, all that kind of stuff <laughs> yep. with Morrow and just role playing. Yep. Like role playing myself allowed me to know who I was as a person. Yeah. Yeah. And that like and I mean I think a big piece of that too is is like once you get through like once you get to that and are able to do that, like you know, I think role like role playing like color pie in one respect too and role playing in another respect being okay with that. Yeah. Like, you know, because I think it feels like a lot of times it's like you know, especially like with the color pie and stuff like that, there's always that conflict between the colors and everything. Mm-hmm. And like learning to be like, you know, being being blue, you know, blue red is totally fine, you know. But people who are blue white are you're gonna drive them crazy, you know. <laughs> like and understanding it's like okay, that's you know that's kind of okay, and learning to deal with that and everything. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it was. Uh, it's yeah. still one of my biggest. I know this isn't related to gaming, which is technically our topic, but Whatever. one of my one of my biggest complaints I have, or one of my biggest annoyances I have with people, is trying mm-hmm. to explain to them that your color identity is not the colors you enjoy playing. Oh, for me? No, just or, uh, or in general. In general, like there, yeah. I have friends who you know I'm like you know what you know I'm like explaining color identity to them, and they're like, oh, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm this. I'm like, why? They're like, well, because those are the colors I enjoy playing. That's not that's not your color identity. You're not black green because you enjoy playing black green. Most pers- people aren't black black green. <laughs> that's no, that's that's the thing. A lot of people aren't black green as philosophy. I have multiple friends who think their color identity is black green. Yeah, it's that's like probably not true. 
highly unlikely. Yeah. <laughs> like, the philosophy of Black Green is basically a philosophy to, like, you know, the death and life cycle of everything. Yeah. There's there's not a lot of people who that I know who are green color identity in almost any capacity, but... No. That, like, that's the, that is the least common thing to see in a human nowadays, I think. Pretty, I mean, depending on, obviously, it's cultural and stuff, depending yeah. on who and where you are and stuff like that. Like, you know, like, my dad is probably the closest thing to monogreen that I've seen, probably. Yeah. But That's, that's because he's an apex predator just sitting up top. Just, I, there's way more than that, too, but yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was just... I was, I was just referring to... But yeah, like, if, if you look at the, if you look at the, like, from Magic the Hunter archetype, he follows it 100% too, which is ridiculous. Like, there's just a lot of that stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's like, there's not, yeah, it's not a lot of people with that. And, like, you're you're probably more somewhat of an outlier being, like, your color identity, and then also, like, just being like, I just want to play blue-red all day. <laughs> like, I think I'm one of those weird people where my color identity very very well leads into yeah. the colors i enjoy playing because mm -hmm. people with a blue mentality probably are going to enjoy playing blue decks yep That'd be and for the most part, yeah. i just enjoy doing sweet shit which you can t i enjoy playing like convoluted weird things yeah. which plays really well with the red identity so mm -hmm. so it's like they both just combine into this perfect thing of this is what you enjoy and i'm like yeah. yes this is what I enjoy. This is perfect. As I look at my my monitor backgrounds that are both Izzid symbols. Yeah. So, uh, funny enough, we were um, uh, on, on Saturdays, we watch a movie all together as a family and stuff like that. So we let, we let you know, the kid pick and stuff like that. He picked, he picked Frozen again for like the 30,000th time. But um, uh, it's really funny that that movie is literally entirely about the blue-red conflict. Yep. And going from and the funny thing is is it's it's the movie is encouraging going from blue to red. Like I think you have a character that like it, with ice powers that isn't inherently a red character. Oh yeah. That then is like fighting against that blue nature to like be more mono red. But <laughs> at first she's fighting against the red nature yeah. to be more blue because she has yeah, know, exactly. obligations. Yeah. It's, that, it's that cycle of yeah. And then she's like, I'm the wizard of lizards. <laughs> the blizzard wizard. All right. But I don't know. I just, I, it, it just always strikes me how like, like the, just the color pie with that. Like, cause I think the character is intrinsically mono red and then blue. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Sorry. Like random aside, but eh. I mean, it's a perfectly valid aside. Okay. Gaming. <laughs> Gaming. Running the, games. Move your mice. All right. <laughs> Man, I right. game again. Yeah, I know. Me too. I have purchased. I've been. I don't know what, but there was a. There was a YouTube channel that got like recommended to me that was T and D based for some reason. So I started watching it, or I started listening to his videos while I'm driving. Because mm -hmm. I only ever listen to people talk when I drive. Apparently, that's probably uh, a good idea instead of watching yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> Well, just like straight up, like I'll, uh, it's very, if, if I don't feel like listening to a podcast, I will find a YouTube video and I'll actually put it in my cup holder screen side down. So there's no like reflection going on. I yep. just listen to someone talk. Yeah. 
So I mean, that's what that's what other truckers do. They just listen to talk radio. Yeah. So and so the guy started talking about um, the the pre-made D and D modules and like what are like the best ones and all that. And listening to him talk about them, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna go buy like some of these now. I for some reason I owned the tarot deck for Curse of Strahd. I didn't own the module for it. So I'm just like, well, now I gotta buy the module. Yeah, very nice. And while I was there, I bought Out of the Abyss because uh, it sounds like the most miserable thing you could ever put a player group through, and I kind of want to do it now. (laughs) I also also randomly got the urge, like, I should, like, make, like, a one-shot dungeon. Like, actually, factually make one for when we finally get the game again, and I can just be like, all right, guys, let's, let's get ourselves back in the swing of things. Rather than heavy RP stuff, since we're gonna have to like reacclimate all that, here's a dungeon crawl. Cause I have so much shit to that I could use to use that that I've never used because I have no impulse control in purchasing. Fair enough. <laughs> like I've I've done random dungeons before. I like that personally. Because mm-hmm. I that's that's just how I see things though, is like I like trying to find the connections and things, but my thing is I've never I've never actually sat down and made a dungeon encounter before. Oh, it's been a long time for me. Like I don't know if I've ever sat down and made an encounter before. I uh. that's that's not true. There was that one game with Kippy <laughs> where you guys encountered an ogre. Oh no. And was a I, I I technically that wasn't that was technically something that I just came up with, I'm pretty sure. That wasn't uh that wasn't a pre con I was running or anything. That was like that entire town was something that I created of my own volition, I guess. So I just completely yeah. forgot that even existed. Uh, but it's be. but now it's like, man, I should like do that. Like I literally, you know, the dungeon tiles that Watsy put out. Yeah. Like the dungeon tile series. Yep. There's city, dungeon, forest. I own all three of them. <laughs> Never use them. I just own like, them. Why? Uh, see, that's something I look at. I'm like, oh, that's cool, and then wander away because I know I'm never gonna put out a battle mat. See, but it's the thing you don't put out a battle mat. You literally build the dungeon like when you're playing Descent. Yeah, I know, but like I'm not gonna do that either because it's you... like that's way too much work. Because I still when have you to play, play Descent, <laughs> I still have to, but like Descent gives me a book and it's just like lay these out. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's true. But like if I was like, oh, you have to make a dungeon and like do that, I'd be like, I'm like, I'll just draw a penis on a piece of paper and then like just say, yeah, here's a dungeon because apparently all every map I draw looks like a dick. Yeah. Um, Every then, map anyone ever draws looks like a dick. And I'll just be like, or or here's what I'll do. I'm like, I'll just randomly describe things and just like we'll go from there. Yeah, like that has been like, like, you know, because I started way back in like, you know, AD and D, like is when me and Tim were playing, and like that was like, oh man, we get our sheets of graph paper and you're making maps and you're like, you know, laying it all out and it's like this and that and then and it's like. Man, when I got to the point where I'm just like, I'm not even going to put out a map. Like, I'm just going to literally just talk it through and, like, maybe I'll draw some pencil marks on a piece of paper eventually. Like, that was just, like, giant quality of life for me. <laughs> See, the, the funny thing for me is I actually really enjoy maps. I enjoy having maps for players. As, a, as someone who runs the game, I enjoy having that structure because I feel like it makes it easier for everyone to visualize. I just hate putting in the work for it. Uh, that's my thing too though and like the the problem with me is like 
like you know it's like if we're doing that one game like having a city map something that's fluffier if that makes sense yeah cool. like i'm cool with that but like being like all right here's your here's your tactical map and we're actually gonna like care about the measures and stuff for like a dungeon or something like that and then it's like all right we're done and then i throw that away it's like okay like i'm just well, like out on it that's why a lot of times if i if i make maps they're randomly generated so that's actually why i really like the um the tiles because mm-hmm. they're just reusable you know you can build yeah. what you need to build out of them like i said i don't have the patience to do that shit but mm-hmm. i could if i wanted to i mean if i wanted to build it yeah but like otherwise i could just like as i said i randomly generate stuff because i don't want to actually like construct something mm-hmm. and i actually I actually find it more interesting trying to piece together what I need from something existing than actually making what I need. If That's that makes fair. sense. Like, yeah, it makes sense. Like, I mean, and that relates to me too. Like, what, what is something I like in music? I love arrangements and covers. <laughs> like, 90% of what I listen to is that because I honestly feel taking something known and making it, uh, making it interesting i feel like is far is is a better representation of somebody's musical chops than it is than pulling something out of the air or trying to or thinking you're pulling something out of the air i don't think i don't think people pull stuff out of the air i think i think we have a, a an over obsession with originality and i think that's ridiculous but that's a whole nother topic for another time are you someone who believes in the philosophy that there's no such thing as originality anymore? Everything is um, the modification of something else. I really don't. Okay. But or, I mean, I really, I, I do kind of believe that. Like, I don't, but I, I'm not like even like on that train. I think we have, I think people who do creative work in our culture have this, have too strong an, obs- of an obsession of making something new instead of making something good. Yeah, I can agree with that. And I think people like I I think looking at sort like looking at source and everything and stuff like that like is a really good way to you know, I I think people should be influenced by other things. Like I've heard of people being like, "Oh yeah, I don't, you know, consume this certain thing because you know, I I don't want I don't want to like uh, be influenced by it and take and take that stuff. I want to like make up my own stuff. I'm like I think that's just flat out wrong. Like I mm-hmm. think you are actually doing yourself a disservice trying to do that. That's fair, but that's just me. I don't know. And, uh, like I don't know, and like musicians and stuff. Like I'm the kind of person that's like uh, I respect like like people will like write songs and I'll be like, oh, these songs are awesome. And then somebody will do a cover and I'll be like, you are really good. Like. <laughs> You know, and seeing how they reinterpret something, I find far more interesting than um, seeing how they create something, if that makes sense. But that's just me going off on a tangent. I mean, 90% of our interactions with yeah. each other are tangents. I mean, to bring it back to, to bring it back to, um, uh, like, D&D, to, to tabletop gaming, like, if you look at my games, there is always something I have taken an influence of of varying degrees. Like a lot of times, you won't be able to ju- you won't be able to just go and be like, "Oh yeah, that's totally a ripoff of this thing," you know. Mm. But like, like literally, the Ironclad game was Macbeth with wolves. 
I couldn't remember which one it was. And, and I, I literally like, said, I, I literally that. said that. I literally said that to your face too. Like, yeah. uh, I, like everybody. I'm like, I'm like, this game is Macbeth, Macbeth with wolves. But like, I don't think it felt like I was being like, oh yeah, this guy's just ripping off Shakespeare, you know, with wolves like too much. Like it was, it was an enjoyable experience, you know, mm. and like, uh, like the that Pathfinder game that I talked about that was incredibly heavily influenced by the might and magic series of video games like you guys haven't seen why yet but like there's a lot of things in there that are actually that are heavily influencing it um i've never i've never played might and magic so we could have we could literally be playing the exact storyline and i wouldn't know yeah like (laughs) like tucker took it one further and like like he actually just took stuff and he's like i'm gonna imagine this thing that isn't a game as a game and I thought some of them were really cool. Like his uh, quest for glory one was sweet. Uh, Into the electric castle was weird, but I liked the I liked the attempt. What um, was that? Huh? What was that? That was the one where we like had people from different time periods. Oh yeah, that. Thing. And like we go into the and, and like you go into this. There's like a bunch of crazy stuff happening in this castle. That was from yeah. the uh, the Arion album Into the Electric Castle. Um, and then um, uh, I, I actually enjoyed his version of the final equation, uh, which was the, the one that started in Eclipse phase and then partway through flipped to the um, D&D game. You I remember that remember, one? I don't remember playing Eclipse phase. Did you not play that one? Because it started out as like an Eclipse phase game and we're like on a space station or something like that. And like everything went to hell and people are breaking in trying to kill us and stuff like that. And like we go to the scientist and he's like, all right, like he's like, He's like, the problem is, is that, like, there's, like, he's like, basically, there's nothing we can do. We screwed up as humanity. We need to, like, like, we have this thing where we can send messages back in time. And he's like, so we need to, like, send a message back in time so that, like, time changes itself to, like, resolve this problem was the, like, the whole premise, kind of. And so, like, he does this thing. And basically, we go back in time as, like, D&D people and, like, have to play out, like, this whole thing. And that affects what happens when we, when we flash back to the future. I have no recollection of that at all. You don't? It was a very, it was like a one shot, but it was, I liked the it's, concept it of it. It sounds like a one shot, but I don't remember any of it. Yeah. Cause like we were literally playing and then like partway through, like, like this thing happens and he's just like, he like takes our sheets, he just hands us D&D sheets and we just have, to, and it's like basically like, it's mostly, an, it was almost completely an RP thing, but I'm, uh, I feel like I remember yeah. him giving us, yep. I remember him doing that. I just don't remember the game at all. Yeah. Like that one was really cool. I like that because he actually wrote that one up. I think as a module, um, that one in Into the Electric actually wrote as a module. But like, yeah, like all these, all these things. Like we, we, you know, I'm, I'm like taking from heavy source material in a lot of cases and stealing bits and pieces of things. And I think that reinterpretation actually kind of makes things sweeter in a sense and stuff like that. Because if I tried to just make something up straight up whole hog, here's the deal: it'd be awful. Like I'm just gonna I'll be I'll be completely honest. And I don't I think I think the overwhelming vast majority of people like are in the same in that same position. Like I think it's using all those experiences and influences and stuff to make things. And I think that's for all art. Full I stop. mean full stop. I think that the the hands down worst game that I've ever ran was that one D and D one shot where one of the NPCs was my old PC character. Oh, dude, that yeah, I suppose. I, like I thought that game was trash. Like 
I really, really wanted to. I literally wrote that story because uh-huh. I wanted to write a story about my character. But and, like, then I'm, and then the I'm like, was, this could make a really interesting game. Yeah. And my execution on it was terrible. And like, I don't think. I, I think I think you fell into the GMPC trap. Was part of it. That is exactly what it was. Yeah, and, and so was, I don't think it was the creation of it because you were drawing from experiences there. Yeah, like I don't think you were like doing that, but like I think it was just I think you fell into a different trap with that. Yeah, I made it. I think I made it too much about my own character. Yeah, which fit the story because the story was about him, but I don't think it was a good. Mm-hmm experience for anyone else as a result of that yeah and, I, uh, well, as a result and now i'm like i can never do that again that was terrible <laughs> see this is an interesting thing that i find too is it's like when so when you run into something you're like god that was awful do you are you just like oh well we're done with that and walk away or are you like i know what was awful about that let's try it with this twist because like that's where my mind goes it's like like now, I look at it. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, I know what I did wrong. So now I can like, not necessarily do the same thing, but like, like go into this with my eyes open, understanding what failed and what succeeded. Like, you know, like there's there's a number of games I've looked at where I'm like, okay, I'd like to try something similar again, but I understand what I did wrong. Like, oh, um, Team Three, that game. Mm-hmm. Like, I did a lot wrong in that game. But looking at it, I'm like, okay, I think I understand some of the things I did wrong. And like, I almost want to try it again to some degree. Like, not necessarily that exact, that, that exact same game or even 100% the same format, but like something like, like with a similar kind of setting sort of thing with it. And I'm like, I think, I think I could tweak it enough to like pull some of the stuff off. But yeah. I've never. I don't think I've ever had a game that I consider to be as much of a failure as that one shot. Mm. And I don't think that one shot is a game that I could tweak. But I'm not talking about the game itself. I mean, the concept of it. I mean, yeah, I don't like figuring out, figuring out how to tell the story about this character. I'm not even sure if I could without making it too much about that character. I would need like someone else playing the quotation's primary character. And that would require a lot of collaboration, and I feel like that could also... At that point, you're then treating one character differently than everyone else. Yeah, and that's tough, too. Like, there's some games I'd like to try with that function, but, like, I don't think they'd work. But, like, otherwise, like... Like, I have some idea. Like, I have some, like, weird, crazy ideas for, like, how, like, a game I'd like to... I don't even know what the game would be, but like using a resource from or like a technique from a different game style um, to try to tell a story. But I don't know. Like, and I wonder if something like that would almost. I don't know if it, it probably wouldn't work for that. But like, tell the story about the character without having the character in it. I I didn't think about that. I'm just not sure. <laughs> How do yeah, I know. Like it? execution is difficult, but yeah, that. like how do I? Because you basically need some sort of what is it? Like an NPC, mm-hmm. um, ah, I can't. It's called it's voiceover narrator. There we go. Yeah, 
you'd almost need some sort of narration at that point. And, like, I'm not a fan of villain monologues. Fair enough. But, like, so... And this is taking... So, I'll, I'll, I'll just say the idea I've had, because I don't think anybody's going to listen to this, and I probably will never pull it off because it requires way more resources than I have. But I'm, uh... Like... Think about some of the game, the like. Uh, have you never played any of the follow any of the like modern Fallout games? Have you? Negative. Oh, shoot. Okay. Fallout. Uh, Fallout. Um, seventy six is like the prime example for this, in my opinion, uh, because they they initially built the game without NPCs. Um. So the way they had to tell all their stories was through, uh, environmental storytelling notes and audio logs mm-hmm. so combining that with some of the stuff from like some of the other like video games i played i'm wondering if it'd be possible to like use npcs to to communicate part of the story to use like i literally thought i was like very inspired by bioshock one time where i was like i'm like i wonder if i could pull it off where i actually write a game and actually find somebody to record audio logs for something. Like, <laughs> and like actually do a game like that where you actually go through and are like listening to these things. Um, and like something like that. Like, that's you, but using like, so in like Fallout 76, like one of the, th- like, uh, see if I can remember some of the, like, one of the, one of the missions that really stood out to me was, um, uh, so, Fallout 76 takes place like 25 years after the bombs fall or something like that. It's not long, basically. Yep. Um, but so Vault opens up, you guys come up, everybody comes out, hooray, and you start f- kind of piecing together the world right, kind of right after everything happened. Um, one of the factions that rose up was a group called the Responders, which is basically a bunch of like paramedics and firefighters and other people and stuff like that who banded together to try to help people uh, create some form of stability and and everything and stuff like that, and they succeeded to a great degree um, until the big bad enemy came and kind of wiped them out. But at one point, you end up going to this airport where they were based and kind of the place where the massacre happened. Um, and uh, you're going through, and there's this per- I can't remember their name, but there's kind of this person who's like in charge of a certain part of it, and you keep running into these audio logs about them talking about everything that's happened through it. Um, you know, and like I think until you get to the like the end of the the air quotes dungeon where you get the audio log where it's like basically like they're like kind of like last standing shit, you know, and it was really really it was a really really interesting way for them to tell that story using the environment that you encounter along the way, and obviously this is video game based, so it's obviously would have to be adjusted, but using the environment you find along the way, um using audio logs from other people commenting on this person, uh, you know, and like finding notes about stuff and things like, and you're piecing together this story about this person as you go through it without ever actually meeting the person. There's another one where I'm, uh, uh, in Fallout 76, it does this like crazy, but there's this thing called the free States, um, basically a bunch of survival preppers, um, who were expecting this built a bunch of bunkers. And then after the bombs fell, they uh, came out and kind of like tried to rebuild this town that then got overran and blah, blah, blah. But the big bad in this game is like called the Scorched and everything. And there's this one girl who was a kid, basically, when she went into the bunker and then came out 
And she sets up this whole thing, basically saying, it's like, all right, we need to repair this system. Here's how you go through the steps and everything. And gives you audio logs along the way and mm. basically talks to you. By the end of it, you feel like you have met that NPC. Like, you feel like that is somebody that you quested with and stood next to. It was so good. Like, for as much, for as much shit as Fallout 76 gets for being an unstable piece of garbage, which it's not necessarily the most stable or well-balanced thing, um, the the missions in that game are some of them are sublime they are just beautiful like and that one even though the entire thing is a bunch of dumb fetch quests and like kind of like go here kill this guy stuff like you it's amazing how they took something a character you never see you never actually interact with and made them a living breathing human being that you're like goddamn they never died on screen i hope to god i run into them like like it, it it is bizarre so like trying to translate that to an rpg is something that i've been like clicking around in my head for a number of years now that's like not like listening to you talk about that i was i've been thinking like yeah there are different ways i could have told that story i suppose yeah but but now the bridge has been crossed right yeah like at, the, at this point it's like we i don't think we ever could go back because everyone now knows who that story is about right yeah exactly and it still would seem like basically me just sitting there masturbating i mean you know but like if you could tell a compelling story about characters and stuff like that like yeah i think you can still sit and masturbate to some degree like i mean that's some of it but you know like you know if you think about the like the iron Claw game the story was really about the um I can't remember his title, but like but like your character's father. Yep. Like like that's who it a lot a lot of it focused on. And and Alistair, his son. Was he like, a Duke? No, the Duke is the main the over, overarching one. Oh, okay. I think he was just the Lord. Just the Lord. I can't remember now. But like but like it's it was it was more about that hierarchy in the family than it was about any of you. Mm-hmm. Like it was about that rise and fall to power. It was actually probably mostly about Alistair. Yeah, I like do think he it, was, it He was the it, main character of the game. Yeah, it was, 100%. Yep, and... I, I mean, feel like, yeah. <laughs> so we had, we had one character that was his teacher, one that yep. became his lover, one that was his brother, one that was literally his bodyguard, yep. and one that was his advisor. Yeah, like, everyone tied to him. You know, and like, like he was the character that that the game was about. You know, and I feel like even even just being like, all right, this is like the the game's not about you guys. You know, all you friggin' scrubs around here, like. But like, I feel like every single one of you had your own part in that story, and the telling of that story was worthwhile. Even though you guys weren't the main, even though got you guys were the main characters, but weren't the main characters, mm-hmm. like you know, it it was it was a really interesting. Like God, I wish I could unpack that game properly. I still cannot. Like I'm still trying to figure out what made that game tick. Like, and I'm the only thing I'm coming down to is just like there was a, like a number of players in that game who knocked it out of the goddamn park, like. I think the same reason why that game was such a success is the same reason why the Forgotten Light game was a success. Really, really good character interaction. Yes, I, I thought you were going to say characters for a second there, and I was going to be like, no, 
but um no the, 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 the characters, characters were just were, characters yeah but like the character I think interaction I, I think i think that's what it is it is that took a priority because if you think about the forgotten light game like it was literally about how the characters like i don't remember much about that game's story i'll be honest like like i remember kind of what happened and stuff like that i'm like yeah there was some stuff the things i remember were the characters and how they how they interacted with each other yeah you know like that's that's what i'm more concerned about like like the look on every player's face when anzi had to kill uh nathan was awesome mm. like <laughs> like it was one of those things where it's like like we did it like like that moment and seeing everybody be like oh shit like it was just it was beautiful like the, like the storytelling up to that point and the fact that it got to there like that was one of the, that's one of those emotional moments in in games that i'm like like i remember that one like i remember like people just being like the silence that just hit the room <laughs> you know and like i feel like that's just what we're striving for almost you know like yeah moments like that where you you have this giant buildup and like you know, the whole game was about this this relation like these relationships that all the characters had with each other, if you think about it. I mean, one hundred percent was. Like that yeah, was like, the driving force of why we were even doing what we were you doing. You were doing the campaign because of your relationship with another your character's relationship with another character. Yeah. Like you know, the game like you know, Anzi's relationship with uh Avenin pushed a good portion of the game forward. You know, like and and like kind of had a thing like had a giant arc happening there. Her relationship with you know the NPC Nathan was like a huge thing. Like you know, and it was it was it was those relationships that really just like made the game go. And I think and maybe that's why the Ironclaw game worked in the end is because I said you have to have relationships, and then people played them. At least the people that were good. Did you enforce relationships, or I thought they just happened. I said you, I, you said we all said you, we all had to be connected to the family. I said you have to be connected to the family in some capacity. Yeah. And some of them were looser than others and everything. And like I'm a mercenary. I'm paid to be here. Good job. You you did it. But <laughs> but like, you know, that's why it's like you're like, oh, I'll be his brother, you know, like yeah. well, that's connected to the family. And like you know, how how many games would old man bat be a reasonable character? Like that none one. of them like literally a <laughs> literally a scribe that was the teacher for these the the sons in the household for for years and years you know like and just like basically like you know was their was their teacher and everything and stuff like that best character in the game yeah like i almost cried during that game like <laughs> like th that scene between like that character and then and the father when he was when he was dying was just like how 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 do you even like accomplish this role play like it was perfect like uh that's like that that is one of my favorite character interactions in gaming that I, in my entire gaming career like because of how personal and poignant it was but also how the player did not have this background with it with that npc mm -hmm. like it, it's not like we had been playing this game for years and years and years and this was an npc that was established it had been like three sessions 
That was like, a relatively short game, all things it, being The game was like six sessions long. Maybe a little longer? It was not many. Like, it was con game length. Like, yeah. when you really think about it, how hard we pushed through it, or how fast we pushed through it, it was a really short game. And, like, it was like two, like three sessions, and, like, just just played the character and that was it was just amazing like that is still just one of like the shining moments of gaming for me like i know it's like me just kind of like jerking off like crazy here but like i mean to be fair you are jerking off about your wife so it's kind of fine hey here's the deal if any other one of you like i've said before like cassie knocked it out of the friggin park Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure I said she was the second best character in that game. She was the she was uh, like, and not to put you down, you played a good character, but she was easily the second best character in that game, and she could have been the best if it wasn't for the outstanding frigging character that got played, you know, by somebody else. Like, you know, and and we have no reason to like her anymore, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But like, yeah, she hates me. I don't. (laughs) I don't know. Like, uh, Uh. uh, but like, yeah, like that was wild like that game was wild like how it worked and that yeah like that character was insanely good i would like to take credit though because the interaction between old man bet and my character's father never would have happened if i hadn't shot my father twice right (laughs) just saying (laughs) but i don't know it was like i don't know i i just loved love some of those interactions stuff like that and i think like you know, we've had some, we've had a pretty good some pretty good groups float in and out here. Like I'm pretty happy with where we've been. Like like our group right now, when they play is pretty good. Like the only gripe I have is that man, I'd really like to get Richie back. Yeah, like <laughs> we're or really like, or, good. Or, or my my brother back would be good too. I think I think if he started a game with us, I think it'd be a lot better. Yeah, we're really good at just like having a solid core like even when our group was like 10 freaking people for some ungodly reason Uh, like the actual the actual core that held that group together which was at the time Mm -hmm. you and holly was really good because that was when i just started playing you know i didn't i don't think i really had any impact in that group really for a while the role playing between me and holly with avnin and anzi was awesome in my opinion like like to the point and like I think I started, I did it intentionally a couple times, but like there were a couple times where I unintentionally, in character as Anzi, after Avenin was killed, went to talk to Avenin, mm-hmm. like looking for advice on something like that. And then eventually, like your character filled that role, but you know, like you know, and then those characters became best buds and stuff like that. But like, it's I don't know, yeah, like I mean, yeah, me and Holly and like Tim, you know, Tim was always a solid player two and stuff like that in his yeah. game like he yeah. usually ran he just stuff, usually but he was, dms but he was always solid even with those yeah. like you know like the shattering games and stuff like that his character was you know always really good but like yeah like that central core and then like yeah like our central core right now of like just you know the the floating group that we always have of like me you and my wife like like i'd game with that group any day like <laughs> you know like it's just it just sucks we don't have like one like one more super consistent person and stuff like that. But like you know, I re- I I like who you know the people we have right now though and stuff. Yeah. Too. So like I'm not like downplaying them at all or anything by any means. But it's just like, have you ever thought 
about how just against the standard D&D style of philosophy it is that in the Forgotten Light game, there were entire sessions that were just like nothing but sitting around a bar or a campsite <laughs> RPing with each other. Yes, like we have, like we had many games like that. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, like it was just our characters like hanging out and talking, and like I remember, I, I just for some reason I just always remember the one session where like we got invited to a dinner and Anzi was super happy because she got to wear a dress. Yeah, like <laughs> you know, it's just like it was, it was about it, it, like even though it was like fantastical and it was like you know elves and dwarves and whatever the hell we had and stuff like that and you know like the whole thing was about people like and it was about a lot of it was about being human in a weird way even though none of us were human you know like a lot of it a lot of it was about understanding other people like you know a big a big part of the forgotten light game was the those gnolls if you remember that in in the beginning yeah they were like the main that but the then main quotation like, baddies that weren't baddies. But then remember, Anzi ended up becoming friends with one of them. Mm-hmm. Like I think I gave him a hug, and he didn't know what to do. But like, <laughs> you know, like, but like, and that was a big thing. Is is like, I feel like a lot of it was understanding these people and like understanding people and understanding ourselves and like building re- like understanding building relationships, you know. And then like, some of it was you know understanding losing relationships you know it was it was this giant like that was the beauty of that game like is that you know and props to tim like the the story the story was was solidly good and fine like you know i'm not like banging on the story but like we didn't play the game for the story but he was he was he's a good enough gm to know when to step back and just let players be players Yep. And to give and to give players something, you know, and you know, and let this be like, like let this thing be awesome. Like, like he was really rooting for us the whole time, even though he did challenge us. Oh yeah, you know, and like, it, you know, he's a great DM. Like, I can't, yeah, he's I can't fault the, that. Yeah, he's like the freaking demon lord's lieutenant on us at one point. He was not. He wasn't exactly pulling his punches when he was challenging us. Yeah, I mean, like even with some of the stuff like this, like the decisions we made, he's like. He'd throw out options and stuff like that, like you know, and it's like, there you go, go for yeah, it. Like <laughs> he, he let us be creative in our answers to things. Yeah, you know, and that and that was really like a fun part about it and stuff too. But like you know, and I think you know, I, I haven't talked to him about it, but I think in the end he realized, like he knew too. He's like, he, it's about it was about the characters. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't about this this grand storyline he was telling and stuff like that. That was just a. I, I feel like that was just a piece to. That's the piece that brought us together, you know, and and, yeah. and moved us and moved us along and everything. Because otherwise, we'd sit around talking, navel gazing all day. But um, uh, <laughs> no, but like, I mean, that was that was sort of the catalyst to like create some of the conflicts in the characters to have us going after things to have us, like you know, it's. I still, I still have not had any game ever with any amount of romance. I don't think. I'm trying to think of a game, and that's like the only one, and it didn't feel weird, and it didn't feel contrived. Mm-hmm. Like it felt like, like it worked with the characters and everything. I don't know. It was really like, it. It's one of those things. that's like if you could like 
emulate any experience in gaming like that's the one almost like i'd go back to and try to emulate so basically the gist i'm getting is the games that everyone is really good at running are ones where the characters are really good at interacting with each other yeah right it's but like <laughs> some of it is creating that ability for characters to interact with each other and and moving that along like you can only blame yeah. the players so much oh, i know yeah. i'm just it's just like you know like in from our experience the best game that tim's ever ran was forgotten light and that's because of the character stuff going on right oh yeah and i really enjoyed i don't i have never played a game with tim that i didn't enjoy oh yeah totally you know the best game that you well you didn't you didn't play some of the ran. ones some of the really really early ones but no, no. <laughs> before like, you before we had met <laughs> like the best game that you think you ever ran was the the Bisclaw Wreck game. Yep, Iron Claw. Yep. Yeah, Iron Claw. So, like, and the best game that I think I've ever ran was the Teenager Gang game. Yeah. You know? And, like, they all are, they're all very, very different stories. They're all very, very different styles of games. But we all had it set up in such a way that the characters were just able to be characters. Yep. So. Yeah. And I think, man, maybe that's just the lesson for, like, the big takeaway for all of this for gaming and stuff like that is like, I think, I think people have to build good characters too. Mm -hmm. And I think the majority of us in all of those games built good characters. Yes. Like we built characters that had like, were people that had hopes and dreams and, you know, wants and had a past and, you know, didn't just spring from the earth as they say, on fear the boot all the time and everything like that. Like, you know, like, when I wrote when I wrote my like awful fanfic about Anzi, like you know, there was a lot of like she had a lot of hopes and dreams and loss already that had happened too. That like came up in the game eventually over time, like in little mm -hmm. bits and pieces. But like you know, even like the 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 kid, you know, like it was like that. That existence that he had was was one that didn't. I didn't want it to feel like, oh, it's like, oh, we just plopped him in this game and we're gonna go from here. Like, I tried to make it so that he felt like somebody who had lived in this, you know, shitty part of town for all his life, you know, like, and had to and had to deal with this. And like, the Iron Claw game, that was, you know, part of the thing that I wanted. I didn't want it to feel like people just. You know, you didn't want it to feel like people just sprang from the earth. You wanted it to feel like people, like all of you had grown up in this or had lived in this house for most of your lives too and everything. And I think we got that, you know, mm -hmm. like it was just, I don't know. The, the whole experience, like all those experiences were just powerful in my opinion. But I don't know. That's what, We just keep chasing the dream on some of those, but. <laughs> like. We it, we always refer to it as like you know like oh we want to experience this skin we want to experience this skin yada yada but like sitting around and talking about this we have experienced it again oh yeah totally multiple times you know mm -hmm. with different DMs yeah it's just it's unfortunately the outlier <laughs> well maybe we just need to get good and stuff like that but maybe. I you know I think we're due for another one of these games in my opinion like. Mm -hmm. I just I, I just want to find what it is, one of those games where it's like everything comes together and you just have it's just 
I don't know, like that that feeling. You get that feeling, you know, that you keep chasing the drug. <laughs> like it's what it feels like. But uh, man, well, well, clearly the way that it works is it has to be a different DM each time. So we need someone else to start DMing. So oh, then we got two can, people who haven't DM'd before, so they they can have their perfect game. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I I was hoping for for that game you ran, but then I ruined that entire game. So. Like, the the dragon heist. Yeah, I don't know if you ruined uh, it or if I played my character so poorly. I, if you place every ounce of blame on me, I will accept it. I feel like I played that character so poorly. And I think I just ran that game poorly. I don't know, man. Like the I, engagement I wasn't a, really there. I take a lot of blame on that one. It's like you blame yourself. Janelle thinks her character just didn't fit. I think I just <laughs> ran it poorly. Yeah, I don't know. Christina's character was good as always. It was just it was just solid, which it's yeah. like fine, just be good at everything. Yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> it is kind of funny we're talking about like these big grandiose amazing stories we've told and if mm -hmm. we technically continue the Dragon High storyline, it is literally a 23 level dungeon crawl that uh... will take you from level 5 to 20. We, we, which would probably be more suited for some of our characters, but yeah, I and I'm pretty sure that there's like at least one person who would probably really enjoy that. Not me. No, I I think Here's Janelle. Thing. I think yeah. Janelle wishes we would just do general Jun dungeon calls at least every once in a while. Yeah, that's just not who we are. No, it would like, be interesting to. I've never ran yeah. one, and I feel like I should. Uh, there was a while back where, like, I remember it was the the one time Christina was like, "Yeah, I've been gaming with you guys for a while, and I've never done like one of those like like a standard D and D dungeon crawl." And so I ran Tomb of Horrors. <laughs> yeah, because of course, <laughs> maybe I should look into Tomb of Annihilation. But even that, you don't get into the actual dungeon for like two freaking levels. Uh, I just hate numbers. But all right, we've been we've been at this for a while here, so we probably yeah. should should wrap it up. We're at about the hour and fifteen minute mark. Yeah, so all right. Why don't we why don't we wind this one down? I'm sure we'll have more to talk about gaming. I'm sure some people have heard some about this before. But um <laughs> if you wanna if you wanna shoot us some feedback, you can send an email to thelocometa at gmail.com. Catch us on Twitter at the Locometa PC. Uh check out thelocometa.com for a link to the Discord and other fun stuff. Uh come hang out on Discord. We're playing games. Um we'd like more people to play games with. That'd be fun. Uh try to find more stuff to do because we're still in the pandemic world, but so. All right, cool. John, do you have any uh, closing thoughts you want to share before we wrap it up? I'm just really curious how much like you would hate doing Dungeon of the Mad Mage. I want to find out. <laughs> I, here's the deal, man. You will play. I will almost play anything. I will play. I will play almost anything. One because. I I trust you as a GM, and I think you can make it fun for me, even if it's not exactly my cup of tea. And also, I I would do it for the other people and give it a fair shot. Yeah. Uh, two, the more games that I absolutely dislike that I play of other people's means that I get to just run more insane fucking shit and be like, hey, I played in this game of yours, throw me a fucking bone. <laughs> Would it count it though if I'm running the game for other people? <laughs> yeah, totally. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna me. get my goddamn My Little Pony game one of these. <laughs> <laughs>
Here, here's the uh, deal though with that one. I'm not running it as a meme. I literally think the game could be good. Yeah, like, I know. Like, I, I am like a hundred percent serious on it, and I'm it like, oh man, I'm like, this actually could be like legit. Like, <laughs> it doesn't sound like it'd be bad. I just need to convince you to run it in the Dark Heresy world. The Milo Pony game. Oh yeah, they're basically the same world. I mean, they're they're pretty dang close. The the thing is, is that this one needs the backdrop of Utopia. Oh, I know. To, to make it work. Like when you, when it's just always been a dystopia, it's like okay, like hey, everybody in the party hey. commits suicide and walks away. <laughs> it has not always been a dystopia. The glory of the god emperor lights all who who bow before him. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I'll just stop my heresy there, and we'll wrap it up. So we will catch you next time. <laughs> See ya. <laughs>